0: Find the positive side to it. Um, find ways to decrease the anxiety about it. Um, I, I do that through scripture. You know, that's where I go to to, to release that that anxiety. But find a way that you can, you can get to where the anxiety is not so bad that you don't let this event, this time period in history, define who you are as an individual.
1: For everybody joining in right now, Welcome. And I have Ginger over here with me, Ginger Herring, who's the CEO and president of First Franklin Financial. And one of the things I wanted to to do is to bring the the whole reason, this is about getting one person better every single week and bring hope over fear, like choosing hope over fear. And I've been so impressed by Ginger's leadership of First Franklin Financial and around their faith-based leadership and how they're sustaining a family business during uncertain times, and they have been around for a long time, they've been around for 79 years. So they have seen their fair share of ups and downs, so it would be really cool to get that perspective. So again, Ginger, thank you so much for joining and spending some time with me and the, and the community.
0: Thank you for asking me, too. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Awesome. Well, before we start, uh, let's share what was the song all about and uh, why was uh, that was your walk-up song that you wanted to be part of this thing. <laughs>
0: um i'm a big country music fan but um i love the song just be humble. it's called humble and kind and i think especially during this time right now that those are two things that we can be um and need to be and that it doesn't cost anything and it doesn't um you know it doesn't hurt you in any way but certainly humbleness is what we all need to be as we take care of ourselves to take care of our family and take care of others um and then just be kind you know, this is a, a time in our world that we've never seen before, and it doesn't cost us anything to be kind to others. And I think that that's what we're called to do and what we're supposed to do. So,
1: Absolutely. So let me share a little bit about what I know about First Frank and Financial, and I would love for you to share and give people a, a view, a backstage view, uh, if you will, uh, of what uh, what the organization is all about. But Ginger, you have been the CEO of, uh, of First Frank and Financial Corporation and I'm, I'm, I wanna make sure everybody recognizes this is not just a mom and pop shop. Like you have over 1,500 employees. You, you guys have over 250 million in revenue. So you have been running and growing this organization for quite some time in a really incredible place. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about post Financial, what you guys do, and if possible, like the beginning story of how the organization got started.
0: I'll be glad to. We are a family owned business. It was started by my grandfather in 1941. He had um, gone to Georgia, the University of Georgia for undergrad, and then he went to Emory Law School. He uh, got his law degree, became a lawyer and practiced law for about eight years and then decided that, you know, he had that little bit of entrepreneurial spirit and he wanted to do something different. Um, But he knew three things that were kind of the criteria of whatever direction he went in. One of them was it had to be something that intellectually stimulated him. Number two, it had to be something that provided a decent income to his family, to be able to support his family. And number three, it had to be in some way serving the public. So those were kind of his three criteria. And in 1941, as you realize, you know, you're just coming out of, or in the big, the great depression, yeah. there's an economy that's um, challenged and, and things like that as you're coming out. So, um, but he went into the consumer finance business, started out with his first loan being an automobile loan to for a very, very small amount and considered to what today is like. Um, And then it's just grown from there. Um, My, my father joined the company in 1963 as general counsel, because he too had gone to law school. I came in the company as general counsel and then uh, moved on as president years later. And then I started working for the company when I was 12.
1: Wow. Uh,
0: I tell that story uh, just I used to come up uh, during the summers and answer the phone for the receptionist and do the mail and things like that. So I literally have worked for the company most of my life, uh, worked in our branch offices through college and then uh, well through high, my senior year of high school and then through college. Um, and then uh, after I went out and worked for a couple other people for a while, I decided that maybe I wanted to make my home be in Tacoa again and came back to uh, work for the company. And uh, then in 1998, I guess is when I came back full-time to the mm-hmm. company and then I was promoted to president and CEO in 2001. Okay. Uh, um, and uh, my brother also works for the company. So we've got two of the uh, generation three working for the company and we work together every day and um, we have a fantastic group of people that work with us. I Have a, a wonderful executive team, a wonderful strategic management team, uh, um, and just fifteen over fifteen hundred of the best employees you could ever ask for. So you,
1: you totally, totally have because that's one of the reasons. Like my wife works at First Franklin Financial, and I'm like, and she, she every day she'll be telling me like, "Hey, I just got a great email from our CEO. I just had these things happen," and I'm like what organization do you guys make money? Like she's like, yeah, we make money and here's how we do it. I'm like, oh my God, there's a lot of really good things. So we're going to get into more examples of how you're leading through this. Uh, but what, what was the first loan amount that, uh, that, was, that started this organization?
0: Um, it was actually for like $46. <laughs> um, and, you know, to, you know, that was to buy a car. Yeah. A car, but um, so, uh, and, and that was a long time ago. Um, certainly, but we do a lot of uh, the same type of lending now. Um, We have started doing, you know, it's interesting to think about if my grandfather were still alive today, what he would think about where the business is, because he never started the business with any thoughts of it being what it is today, I don't believe. Um, You know, he, he started it out to be um, you know, kind of the small mom and pop type thing, and, and like I said, those were his only three criteria that it met. Those, those things. He was an avid learner. He mm. loved. He he uh, loved to be self taught. He was constantly. Um, I can remember as a child, he was constantly checking into and researching all of. And, you know, back then research was in library books and yeah. books things like that. But he was constantly finding new things to learn about that were unique and and strange. As a child, you thought they were strange. But um, he was very much a learner and um, constantly did that. And my father kind of fell in those same footsteps as well.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: so it's um it's been a phenomenal kind of heritage to fall, fall in with.
1: No doubt. Um, I was listening to one of uh, Satya Nandela, who's the CEO of Microsoft now. And Uh, he made a whole comment around this idea that we for for a long period of time Microsoft as an organization was was all about like we know it all we we got it all and we can figure something out right and uh, he came back and your comment just reminded me of his comment which is he's like we need to be learned it all organization and we need to learn it all individuals. So let's let's not pretend we have all the answers. Let's ask the questions. Let's research, like take the time, learn from the community, learn from the people. And you know, Microsoft since I think in the last five years have just skyrocketed in, in many ways. So it's really interesting you bring that point. And I wonder if that's just a entrepreneurial thing to like, just be
0: learn it all and not know it all. Well, I was always told as a child that the good Lord gave you one mouth and two ears for a reason. And so, you know, you're supposed to listen and learn a lot more than you you speak. So, um, you know, that's a, it's just something that I've always tried to do is uh, as a leader is to be a good listener. Um, I feel like my father is an excellent listener and my grandfather was, too. But, uh, you know, you learn a lot from other people if you just take the time to listen and um, then you can move forward together.
1: So. Yeah. I love that. All right, so this is this is about you know being being a faith-based leader. I, I really wanted you to share your story, your journey. So walk us through, walk me through the the time when all of a sudden this new world that we are in happened, and and how you reacted to that as a leader. Like, okay, we're gonna we have to close down some stuff. People have to go back to work, home, and work from home. What were your emotions then? And as you kind of progressed what has changed for you as part of your leadership, if any, uh, in the last two or three months?
0: Um, well, as as it's been said numerous, numerous times, you know, these are unprecedented times, and so, you know, it's, nobody's ever really experienced what we're experiencing right now to this magnitude, yet certainly there have been things that have happened through time, but I think the intensity with all of this has come from technology and from, you know, news media and availability for the information now that maybe hasn't always been there when we've had other events in history. Um, So I guess the first thing is when the reality of it, you know, you laugh about kind of going through the grief cycle of anything that comes through, you know, you, you start with denial and, you know, you end up at some point at acceptance. So, you know, at first, when it's coming out, you're thinking, well, it's not going to get that bad, not going to get that bad. And at some point you have to come to the term that, okay, it is going to potentially be this bad and we have to do something about it. So um, when that kind of came to light and we came to the acceptance of that, then what we did is we formed a task force. Um, You know, we pretty much overnight called together some key players throughout the company. There are about 20 that served on the COVID, what we called the COVID-19 task force pulled them together um, because there was although it needed an individual leader there was like you said there were a there was a world of information in these people and this was something we were going to have to respond to very quickly and in order to do that you got to have a team that comes to the table ready to respond so we got we met together for the first time virtually of course um on thursday on a thursday and by sunday night we had a full-blown plan plan in place Um, of how we were gonna do it and what we were gonna do. Uh, Thanks to the awesome group and the hard work that these people did. We went from almost being a non-remote workforce to a could be fully functional workforce in four days. And that was phenomenal with my team to be able to pull that off, yeah. Just
1: in four days, the team figured out a plan of how we're gonna gonna start communicating.
0: Yes. Yes. And, you know, we're an in-person business. You know, we, we, that's part of who we are. We like to sit down and talk to our customers. We, we feel like there is a huge benefit. It's why we're in the small communities that we're we're in is because we feel like we're in the people business and everybody needs somebody to hear their story. And when you're talking about, you know, borrowing money and things like that, people want to be able to tell you why they need it. They need you to understand what it is. And you know, we're able to do that and listen to them. So when you all of a sudden put this barrier up um, that has happened, it's really been a huge change in the way that our people have been able to respond. You know, we're known as the friendly Franklin folks. (laughs) That's because we like to talk to people. So all of a sudden we're saying, okay, you've got to talk to them through a closed door. And that's that's been a real struggle for a lot of people. Um, So I guess the one thing that I felt like was my largest or biggest leadership uh, thing that I could bring to the table was communication. And it wasn't just communication by the organizational channel that we have, you know, that you normally go through or whatever. I knew that they needed to hear from me and hear from me frequently. And so we put out the information they needed through the COVID task force. But then I also made sure they heard from me directly about what was going on. We were going to get through it. Um, you know, I'm a firm believer. Like you said, my faith is very, very strong. And um, I'm very blessed to have that. I, I don't believe the Lord's going to bring us to something that we are not able to get through. And yeah. there will be another side to this. And so, you know, just constantly trying to reiterate that to the people that I work with every day and remind them that, you know, we're not alone in this and that yep. we're going to be able to to find another side. So.
1: I, I'm, I'm so grateful for you sharing that, uh, the level of communication. I think that's the number one thing most leaders are now facing and finding is like, well, what is my communication style? Everybody wants to hear directly from it. Um, so let's just talk about that. How frequently are you communicating? How And what is your communication style? What do you include in those uh, emails or conversations to the extent you can share um, that creates the level of conversations and support structure that you want in your company?
0: Um, it's kind of changed, you know, I'm, again, I'm a very much a a in-person type person. Yeah. So, um, I love to be able to visit our branches and go in and talk to the people in there and find out what's going on in the community and things like that. And now that's been taken away. So we've, we've immediately gone to Microsoft Teams, yeah, uh, Zoom or, you know, whatever's been available. We, we happen to be using Teams and, um, you know, we've had to learn a whole new way of communicating like this. Yeah. You know, it's not that it wasn't out there before and it wasn't that the technology wasn't available. It was just that wasn't our choice. Yep. Uh, call us old school or whatever, but we I still like face-to-face. I like to be able to, to read people's um, body language. I like to look at them eye-to-eye to be able to have conversation. Um, so it, that part was a challenge to get past, but, um, I, when we started out, I made sure they heard from me every day. Mm. They needed to know that, that we did have a plan that, you know, we were going to be in this together. We were going to do it together. Um, we were going to be having, there would definitely be challenges, yeah. you know, the bottom line would definitely be affected. We knew that. Um, but that it was okay. And I think that more than anything, they just needed to hear it's okay. Hmm. Um, there's a lot of anxiety. So we threw things out there to them about mindfulness and about ways to, you know, deal with the anxiety. Um, there was, especially during um, Holy week, I we put scripture out there for them to refer back to and ways that they could try to lessen the anxiety that the whole world was feeling, yeah. um, you know, so we went through a, a several weeks where the communication was daily um, and information was out there and we'd check in with people um, with my various teams with uh, in our regions and things like that. I would get on Microsoft Teams and we would have, you know, face to face just to say, are you OK? How's your how's your team doing? Is there anything that you need from us? Is there anything that we can any way that we can support you that we're not from a corporate level? You know, just conversations, just checking in on them. Um, Right now, we're kind of to the point where we communicate a couple of times a week. It's kind of lessened a little bit. Uh, We are fixing to get into our opening our branch lobby doors again, starting next week. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of anxiety with that, but also a lot of excitement. Um, They're really ready to get back to a new normal, whatever that looks like. Yeah, But we also want to be very cautious. So we're doing it in different phases based off of the exposure that's been in our different communities. Yeah, um, You know, so in, during that time, we're just trying to talk them through it. Just trying to say, we're here with you. There's nothing set in stone. If we do something and it, we find out it's not the right decision, there's no reason we can't change our minds. So yeah. we're doing this together.
1: I love that. And I'm, I'm seeing Ash and Amber and uh, Amy, uh and so many folks like Mark and Kate um, supporting the the kind of decision that you're you're making around and the points you're making around communication uh, that it is a, a as often as possible communication. And and we at Terminus right now we we started just doing Zoom calls every week with uh, with everybody on Zoom so we can see everybody's faces. And we're not as as large as you, uh, but we're about you know two hundred people. So everybody's on Zoom, we can see everybody's face and they can openly ask questions and Q&A. And quite frankly, I'm so grateful for Tim who's our CEO. Um, He would literally say, well, I don't know. Yeah. I don't have an answer for all of these, but here's what we are doing to figure out and how do you do as a leadership team. And I wonder how much of that happens with you at this point.
0: Oh, it happens a lot. (laughs) And I am not ashamed to say I I don't know. Um, And I think that anybody would be not being fully honest if they did say that they they knew during these times, you know, what the right answers were. You know, all you can do is work with the information that you have, um, collaborate with the people around you who that, you know, you rely on and you depend on and who feel like are um, making the decisions from the same place that you are. Um, You know, every decision that we make, we try to ask ourselves three questions. And that is, first of all, is it good for the customer? And these these aren't unique to us. I think that there's a lot of organizations that use these guidelines. But, you know, is it good for the customer? Is it good for our employees? And is it good for the business? And, you know, it's got to answer all three of those questions before we, you know, move forward with it. Um, and so, and this hadn't been any different. Everything that we do, you know, is it, is it time to reopen the branches? Well, Mm -hmm. you know, we go through those questions. Is it good for the customer? Well, we know the customer needs is out there right now. And, you know, we've still, we've still been doing business because we've, um, we're titled as an essential business. So we've still been in, in our offices, but it's, been through locked doors or through the mail slot, sliding, you know, loan documents through, it's been very strained. At, yeah. at best. So everybody's ready to get back to that. You know, yeah. so it, is it good for our customers? Is it good for our employees? Um, they say yes. Like I said, they're excited. Um, there's a little bit of anxiety because you don't know, you know, what's yeah. going to happen, but we're taking every precaution, every protocol necessary you know, from the mask to the hand sanitizer, to the six feet apart, we're doing all of that. And again, we're doing it in phases. And then is it good for the business? You know, at some point you have to get back to, to business, you know, and um, we, we being a family owned business, and there's just three stockholders with my two brothers and myself, Mm -hmm. we're able to make some decisions that a lot of other companies don't have that luxury of being able to make. Um, and we're able to make those because my grandfather and my father built such a solid and good foundation with the business. And, um, you know, for 79 years, we've reinvested back in the business. So we've got that strong balance sheet. We've got that strong you know, and we can make decisions that are good, right decisions for answering those three questions um, that a lot of other companies, unfortunately, don't have that same luxury or flexibility to be able to make.
1: That is so true. I wonder, is there is there an order to those questions? Like, would you say, well, yes, we have to answer all these three questions, but this one is more important than than others.
0: Um, probably in that order, I would say is the way we ask it. First, is it is it good for the customer? Um, because if it's good for the customer, more than likely it's going to be good for the employees. Yeah. And honestly, if it's good for the customer and good for the employees, then they're going to make it good for the business yeah so like it kind of tears down like that
1: i love that all right so um i'm i'm gonna ask some of them because i have a full list of questions but i'm also seeing some some good questions come in um so amber is her biggest takeaway right now already is that communication from the top down absolutely is necessary at all times um and ash you, his question is can you talk about how uh, first franklin financial balances the uniqueness of being faith-based with the business reality of achieving results, driving performance and taking care of customers. How do you do these things? Because sometimes they may not go hand in hand. Um, Right.
0: Um, Our family philosophy, I guess, again, being a family-owned business, you get to somewhat portray your family philosophies, you know, and that's always been, you know, God first, family second, work third. And so um, we, have always been very um, vocal about what our faith was because we feel like that that's why we're here um that's the basis of our success and things is is that faith so that first always comes first um, we encourage throughout our company that family is second um, and if you take care of the first two if you if you, take care of your faith, take care of your family, then work will take care of itself. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's in that particular order. So our balance has always been taking care of our, our first Franklin family, Um, you know, doing that, making decisions again, that are right for them and right by them. And then the business takes care of itself. Um, you know, one of the things right now is that we know, again, it gets back to that flexibility because of the fantastic job that my grandfather and my father did through all the, the last 79 years too. But, you know, one of the things is that um, we're able to make decisions that others aren't able to because when you start looking at a year like this year, yeah, um, you realize that first of all, you can go back and look at history and a lot of things that have happened in 79 years throughout our industry, but a lot of of things too. And you realize that, um, you know, things are going to happen and things are going to affect those things. Um, But that one event or that one point in time doesn't define who you are as a company. So, you know, part of our communication this year is yeah, this year, I I think the first communication I sent out said um, COVID-19 was not on my vision board you know, for 2020, that, that is not where it was going. Yeah. And I don't think it was for anybody. And so taking a look at that and just realizing, okay, this year isn't going to define us, but how are we going to get through it and how are we going to get through it together? Yeah. You know, we do need to look at cutting expenses where we can, but when you look at needing to cut major expenses, usually the first place you go is your personnel costs, because that is at the usually at the top heavy of where your expenses are. Um, and to use your your phrase we kind of flip the funnel and we look the other way um, because that's the last place that we want to do because we want to take care of our family uh, which is our first Franklin family so um, we we all work together to find other ways that we can cut and navigate expenses during this time and still be able to provide a service and take care of our first Franklin family so.
1: And I, I love that and I love uh, a question that Amber just brought up because it probably ties a lot into you. And I want everybody who might have just joined uh, to just recognize that we're talking to Ginger, who's the CEO of First Franklin Financial, and and it's not a small mom and pop shop. Uh, it's a family owned business. Yes, this faith based leadership is is the way they lead. Uh, but they're, they have over 1500 employees, which means they have a whole bunch of things to take care of. They They are over 250 million in revenue. So it's a, it's a growing, well-run organization and not not something that's um, just a two people shop. So the decisions that you make has a big ripple effect um, over a whole bunch of different things. So Amber's question on this one is that, would you say being faith-based helps you attract the same type of employees or clients or different? And I'll add to that maybe is that, does that help you? retain your employees and customers in a, in a big way?
0: Um, I will say that th- that our proven track record is that it has helped us attract fantastic employees. Um, your wife being one of them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with that.
0: Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, I think because everybody's foundation is in the same place and so we all speak the same language, Um, you know, something that's really interesting is I can put an email out to, and you have to realize that we have 15, over 1500 employees, but we're also in 318 different locations through over six States. So we're very decentralized. So, you know, communicating is at a whole different level when, to begin with, when you're that decentralized, but, you know, when you've got sections that are of, you know, five people here, six people here, eight people here, whatever, then it becomes even more of a challenge. But when you put a communication out there and then people know what your faith is or know how strong your faith is. And then all of a sudden you get emails back Mm -hmm. from your employees saying, yes, we're in this together and I'm praying for you. Uh, Yes, we're in this together. And, you know, thank you for your faith-based leadership. But just to know that all of a sudden, by an email, I've got 1,500 people praying for me through this time for my leadership, absolutely, hands down, is phenomenal.
1: Uh, yeah. That's what
0: gets me up in the morning and gets me going.
1: Well, let, let, let's talk about another thing that uh, Mamita has been talking about, which is this hashtag be a pound cake um and when she shared that i'm like well i want some cake uh but that's another story uh,
0: better than a pound cake right
1: yeah and a pound cake sounds a really really good idea right now because we're all putting some weight on uh as we're staying at home a little bit more. absolutely
0: yeah.
1: uh, but what, what it seems like there's a whole story around that and and, and something how you're embracing and people around that could you share something about that
0: well um one of the states that we're in is mississippi and um When on top of this COVID-19, of course, we've had storms come through and do some massive destruction um, throughout, you know, some of our states and some of our communities. And it went viral across social media where in um, a town in Mississippi, there was a couple that had um, their house completely destroyed from the tornado. But the kitchen counter was left and on the kitchen counter was a pound cake with a glass cake cover on it that was completely untouched, still sitting there. Crazy. So the kind of one of my employees sent me that with the story and her, her, she said, you know, what this makes me think of is that not all storms in life are meant to destroy us or to damage us, but some are maybe sent just to test our resolve. And so that's kind of what I sent out to the company. I put, sent that picture out and kind of what um, Daniel had said and just said, you know, this, we're just, this didn't defining us. This isn't meant to destroy us and it's not going to destroy us, but it is meant to test our resolve. So let's see what we've got. So anytime you're starting to feel like, you know, you're feeling anxious or whatever, just remember hashtag be a pound cake. So That's kind of been, but you know kind of become our slogan during this is hashtag be a pound cake. You know, so I- stand for a minute and just you know, t- let them test your resolve. We'll come through this, it'll be all right.
1: So. I absolutely love that story. Uh, Patrick Lancioni was uh, on one of the very early ones that I did um, and he talked about this idea and, and I hope everybody takes this particular point home is at this point, it's probably more important than ever to have a rallying cry uh, for your organization, within your organization. That's beyond your mission, vision statement. And his point was, every company now needs to figure out what is it well what is it that their organization is going to rally around and it's not going to be always about the mission and the vision because they stay and you have and you're going to change and alter some of the numbers like the bottom line elements of it but your vision is what it is but right now in this situation every organization every individual needs to have a rallying cry for themselves so when i heard about the hashtag uh you know be a pound cake i was like well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we need to have something hashtag. So um, our, our organization, for example, uh, has is like retention is the new acquisition. So we are all in on making sure that every thousand plus customers that we have, we're going to figure out a way to help them retain. We're going to figure out a way to, to do things that are unnatural to us to keep them going and be successful. And we're not going to worry about all the time, the top line. We're just going to worry about making sure that these customers are getting what they need and we are serving and doing any and everything to keep them going on. So we start to our own rallying process. I feel like it's really interesting to hear and it's more, not everybody's thinking about it, but I think it's it can have a tremendous amount of business impact when people know what they're rallying around.
0: Oh, yeah. It gives you that center focus and, and it's that one thing, you know, I think that one of the things that has been uh, put out there is faith over fear. You know, and so our thing is faith over fear, hashtag be a pound cake. And, um, you know, so all you've got to do in any email that you send out now is is just put hashtag be a pound cake and people know exactly what you mean. You know, don't let this get to you. Don't let this you know, worry you. We'll just we'll get through this together. So.
1: Yeah, if you like it, give, give this a like so we know that this hashtag pound cake is, 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 is fun. and yeah. um, One of the things I wanted to jump in uh, with you, Ginger, was as part of leading such a big organization with faith at the center of it, I'm assuming there are decisions that you're making that are counter to a traditional business decision. So I'm wondering if there are any examples you could share that, hey, look, you know, we made this decision because this, this, this is what we felt was the right thing to do. Tom, um, so I'm, I'm just curious how, if there are any examples you could share.
0: Um, there have been several things that have come up, um, some of them small. But, uh, you know, we've tried to make this transition to anything that we were doing be as seamless as possible. Uh, when we've run into situations where uh, we have had some employees either be affected because of exposure or affected because um, they were being tested and waiting for results and things like that, we've tried to do everything we can and and um, overcompensate where we could on making allowances through um, time off or um, through helping them file for unemployment during certain times or whatever it was that that they needed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've, uh, we've gone in and paid for things that we weren't necessarily in our plan to pay for. Um, we've, again, not, we've been blessed not to have to lay anybody off at this point. Um, will that affect us at year end? Maybe, maybe not, but it's the right decision to do right now. Um, and we've made that decision together because we feel like it's the right thing to do. Um, so there've been just little things along the way that again, we get back to and say, you know, what will the effect be? Let's recognize what the bottom line effect will be. Um, let's decide whether it's something we can live with or not and accept it. And then let's move forward. Um, so it's, it's been, um, there've been several things along the way that have been like that. Um, and again, I just feel very blessed that we can have those conversations with a very small group of people and, you know, understand it whether it be with my two brothers and myself or our board of directors and, you know, everybody's on the same page together. So. Yeah.
1: And thanks for sharing that Ginger, because I don't know of many organizations who can go out of this or come out of this and not be impacted financially. Right. In in some way, shape or form, they all are going to get impacted financially. Now, of course, if you are somehow happens to be in like delivery, like this probably time for you, Uh, but 99% 99% of the organization, like yours and ours, we're all going to get impacted financially. Right. And, and that just means that you have to balance how what level of financial hit you're willing to take as an organization and be okay and still do the right thing. So you're just sharing the fact that you guys have not let anybody go. Um, and, and, and that's a decision that you made because of uh, what's important to you and what, what you're afraid things. And that itself would be pretty inspiring and exciting for everybody at the organization. Um, I, I'm curious, what's your picture of success at the end of this year to, to come out of this? Like you, if you were to like have your magic wand and say, all right, we, we're gonna come out of this year 2020, we're all good, we're on the other side of it. What, when you look back, what what, what would it be that will, be, what will make you proud and be happy and you feel like, you know what, you did everything you possibly could?
0: Well, you know, I think everybody starts any year, like just like we did. And that is you set your goals out there. You set your objectives. Like I said, you, you do your vision board, you, you know, yeah. have all of these great ideas of what the year is going to look like. And then something like this happens. And so you just kind of take the piece of paper and, you know, shred it up into little pieces and say, okay, let's start over. So what would success look like for us? Um, you know, I, I want us to, to um, maintain being a stable company, still being able to provide for our customers and meet their needs provide for our employees and meet their needs um, and then maintain the business at the level in which we at least came in this year at. Um, If we can do that and at the end of the year have healthy employees who have made it through this, who have been able to take care of their families when they needed to um, who have got healthy families um, and our communities begin to come back strong again. Uh, you know, we sit and are looking at 319 communities that you know mm-hmm. we are a part of. And so, you know, to be able to support our communities in any way, if we can find ways to do those things, then for 2020, I will call that a success. You know, our internal theme for the year was a visible difference. Yeah. And um, I think that at the end of this year we'll we'll hopefully be able to say, yes, we did make a visible difference. Won't necessarily be by the same standards of which we started the year at, but that's okay. It'll be in, in, in all the ways that really matter.
1: I love that. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up with three big ideas. I, I took a whole bunch of notes from this. <laughs> so I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try to wrap up with two or three big ideas. Um, and again, as everybody's listening in, we record this, it's on the Flip My Fellow podcast in a couple of weeks, so you can listen to it later on. Um, and, and the goal of this is to just help everybody become one person better every single week. So thank you for joining Ginger on that journey uh, with us. Um, and I would love for, once I share the top three takeaways, uh, for you to share a challenge with everybody around what can they do for themselves or an organization? Because a lot of people listening like Ash and Robert, um, give all of these, there are a lot of things that people are going through struggling with, uh, but maybe there's something that you could share that's a challenge for them to do it. And maybe that's hashtag, you know, pound cake uh, right. for us. Um, so number one, I love the fact that if you're a leader, and I believe at this point, everybody is a leader. There's no question about it. You are leading your family. You're leading your team. You're leading yourself. You are a leader. Communication is the number one thing is what I heard from, from you today. Figure out how often you communicate, how often you need to be communicating. Um, in, in the beginning, you started daily, now twice a week. So you're 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 changing as the things are moving along so figure out your communication style and just be actively participating in it because people want to see you um, as a leader and people want to see what you know what you feel like and it's okay to say i don't know
0: right
1: so thank you for that um the second one it's almost a three-part in here i love the framing i don't know if it is it is was there a book about this because i've heard parts of it but i've never heard anybody laid out this way the way you laid it out ginger which is the way the frame of reference for you as part of being a faith-led organization is still, I think, something that people can use regardless of being a faith-led organization, which is, is this good for the customers? Is it good for the employees? And is it good for the business? And I have heard bits and pieces, but I don't know, is that did that come from any book or is that something that you just have ingrained as an organization from beginning?
0: I think that it's probably something that I've heard from, you know, just over the years of, of great leaders around me and um, have just pulled it together. And that those are the three questions that we focus on and center on, um, you know, it, it's certainly not such a, something unique or original from me, I'm sure, but it is something that I've gravitated to and held on to. And, and it has never led us astray yet in our decision-making. So.
1: I love this. I love this. And then the last part, which I, I saw a whole bunch of folks talk about and comment around this was this idea that this is not and you said it in two or three different ways around that this event is not going to define you right this event is not going to destroy you if you don't let you if you don't let it destroy you you know if you let you will but this event is not going to define you this event is not going to destroy you just like you nobody had this on their vision board for their plan for this year but how you react to it and how you look at it and what you what it makes out of you is going to really be the one that will, you know, your character, everything is going to show up. Like the real you, I feel in many ways is going to show up. And I think all of us are now identifying with that. I love when we do our Zoom calls and stuff with our our customers or as well as our, our teams, we are in the living rooms, not in the boardrooms of people. So your real you is fully present. Like my whole family, everything is like everybody's, like my kids can run here anytime any moment and that's okay so in many ways i love the fact that you said this is not don't let this just define you and destroy you use this for something good and a greater cause so i love um, the way you phrase that a few times so i love for you to share a challenge with everybody as we wrap up
0: um absolutely uh let's see one challenge um I will have to say this is the first time I've been in my office in like what, 10 weeks or whatever. So up until then you would have seen my kids artwork from 20 years ago on the wall behind me, my kitchen table became my desk. <laughs> um, but I guess the challenge kind of ties into that it is um, even if you're in a business or you're in a leadership position where you know, a lot of businesses may not make it through this as far as the business being able to reopen their doors. Um, and I recognize that, and I certainly do not make light of that. Um, but just because the business may not open the doors, it again doesn't define you as an individual. And so there is, um, you know, you find the po- the challenge. I guess is to find the positive side to it. Um, find ways to decrease the anxiety about it. Um, I, I do that through scripture. You know, that's where I go to 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 release that that anxiety. But find a way that you can you can get to where the anxiety is not so bad that you don't let this event, this time period in history define who you are as an individual. Just, um, you know, find a way to help it move you forward. So um, I think that's important for all of us. You know, this is, this is history. There's a lot of things in history that could have defined people and they chose for it not to. So it is a choice. The way that we look at it is certainly a choice that we have to make every day. So
1: absolutely it's a choice uh, i say that to my kids all every day it's like how we behave how we react is the choice absolutely what you, control, um, the you can control the things you can't control don't pass on that like it's it, it is what it is and right. you have to keep going on it so ginger again thank you everybody thank you so much for joining um, on this journey and i don't know if it, if if we don't have faith, I don't know how we will get through this kind of thing. So, I don't either. I really don't. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for the faith. So God bless you, Ginger. Thank you. God bless everybody. Um, God bless you, too.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time.
0: Absolutely.